<laughs> it's Christmas and I'm happy. Um, hey, that last song, I like it. That glory. Last, last hour we had the, the, the sign language people. It's the most boring sign language song ever. Gloria. There, it's awesome, all right? Hey, that's the other thing I want to say before we get into this. I'm wearing red today for Christmas, not Nebraska. Just need to make that clear, okay? Because I'm a Christian. There you go. So there, uh, I'll, I'll get it. All right. Hey, let's jump into this, uh, this, this whole cold thing. And I'll explain that in just a minute. But um, last week we wrapped up um, our, our God the Bounty Hunter series uh, with two thoughts. If you weren't here, let me just kind of tell you where we landed last week. One was, I'm just really thankful. Every time I think about this church and you, some of you people in this room, I just give thanks to God. I love what God has done in the past in my life. Brought us together. I mean, what I know, I've heard some of your stories, what God has done in some of our lives. I'm really thankful for what God's done in the past. And the other kind of thing we landed on last week was this, is I can't wait to see what God's going to do in the future. Again, in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your addictions, whatever that is, I can't wait to see God jump in the middle of that. But I also can't wait to see what God's going to do in this church in the future. I mean, he's done some pretty cool stuff in the past, but I, I think he's just getting started. And, and by definition, when I say the word church, just so we're all on the same page, here's what I'm talking about is a church is simply a community of people who have linked arms together, try to help each other and encourage one another, not beat each other up, but actually pick each other up as we all try to kind of follow Jesus. We're, we're, we're trying to be a community that, that runs after what Jesus says is truth, all right? We don't understand it all, but, but, but we trust him. And we also depend a lot on grace because we're really honest that we all still make a lot of mistakes. But we're also, if you're kind of wondering what kind of church you're in, we're a community that has confidence that the same God who started some stuff in our life, sometimes years ago, sometimes just minutes ago, he's not finished with us. Meaning, meaning he's still going to do some things in our life that may even lead to a greater future. So here's the question I want to look at the, the, today and really all month. All right. Um, when is he going to do that? Like, I'm ready. Okay, when, when does the greater future begin? Okay, uh, when does God want to do something greater in, in my life and, and in the world? And here's what we're going to look at all, all the way up to Christmas is, what if the answer to that question is, how about now? Like, like, like how about like this morning? Jesus said this, look, this is Jesus talking, uh, look on the screen behind me, he says, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus says, I have come that they, and they is us, by the way, that we may have life, and not just life, but have life to the full. See, Jesus made it really, really clear there's different ways to live your life. And he doesn't shove what he says down your throat. I mean, you can choose whichever way you want to live, but the way we say it around here is a lot, is that like there's, there's several deals on the table. You can pick this way. You're free. You're an American, whatever. You can live your life any way that you want. But some of us, if we were honest, we, we, we picked a way to live our life and we lived it and it worked for a while, but after a while, it didn't lead to where we thought it was going to lead. It kind of, some of us would describe, I live my life and I feel like I got ripped off. Right? Just like, like Jesus said, there's a way that, that it steals. And, and some of us, we've even lived our life in such a, a way that we kind of woke up one day and, you know what, I'm empty inside. I've lost just about everything. So Jesus says that's one way to live your life. Then there's this other way that, that Jesus claims to offer. And he says, my way actually leads to life. And not just the I'm not dead yet kind of love, life, but, but, but life to the full. I grew up with a version of the Bible that says he came to give us abundant life, a, a better life. What I want to kind of look at is, what if the better life that Jesus came to give us didn't start like someday or down the road or eventually, but, but right now? And when, when I say Jesus came to give us a better life, I'm not, and Jesus was not, you know, talking like that, that, that TV preacher that you've seen on TV that cries and looks into the camera and smiles a lot and says, if you believe and have enough faith and, and think positive thoughts and tap into the energy of the universe or whatever and really believe it, it will come true. 
I mean, if you have enough faith, your, your business will, will thrive. You won't get sick and everything you touch will be successful. Let me just kind of clear something up. That's not true. All right. That's not true. All right. And, and it's not in the Bible. If, if it is, then God owes a lot of people apologies, including his son, Jesus and Paul, and a lot of you. Right. But you go back to the Bible. There's people with great faith that died in poverty. Some of them died in prison simply because they had great faith. So that's not the abundant life Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says that he came to give us a better life, he's saying, I, I want you to have a life that actually means something. That, that has meaning, that a life that has purpose. To, to live the abundant life, a way to say that is kind of like, I, I'm living in the sweet spot that I was created, well, the reason I was created for. Right? In, in other words, yeah, you, can have a re, you can have an abundant life in spite of your salary. You, you can have an abundant life uh, regardless of the condition of your health or the status of your social life or your family life or even your love life. Jesus was clarifying this all the time. There is a difference between what the world says is successful and what he would say is a significant life, an abundant life. I mean, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the talent in the world. You can have more opportunities than a lot of other people in the world. And I'll even go a little bit further. You can even call yourself a Christian and have a really poor life, right? We look at this back at Easter. We said it this way. It's possible to waste your life, to, to look back over your life and discover, I think I missed the point. And I think I kind of woke up and looked back and I said, I, I hope that wasn't the purpose of my life. It's possible to spend your, your time and your talent and your money, your life, on the wrong things. Not because they're bad things. None of us are going to spend our life on bad things. They're just the wrong things. And when I say the wrong things, again, I'm, I'm saying not because they're bad, but because there's something better you could do with your life. There, there's something better, more important, that you could spend your life on. So, well, what, what do you mean better? What, what are we talking about, the better life? Well, let's switch to Christmas real quick. Let's just jump into this. I love Christmas, all right? One, one of my favorite Christmas stories when I was a kid, and even today, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch it this year, right, is... Uh, it's Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I love that. You say, well, that's immature. Uh, pray for me. I'm telling you, uh, I, I love this story, all right? It's a story, if you, didn't, you never heard it before, but it's a story about a selfish monster whose heart is several sizes too small, who doesn't care about anybody but himself. And then the theme song that always goes with it, sing along if you know it, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're really bad singers. That's all right, all right? Um, and here's the thing is, every time I've ever sung that song or heard that song sung or, how about this, every time I've ever referred to a person as, I think she's mean, what I've always kind of had to come to, to my mind is, you're, you're a horrible person. When I call somebody mean or the Grinch is mean, you're selfish, you're evil, you're, you're, you're bad. But, but actually, that's not what the word actually means. Mean um, is a mathematical term, all right? It actually means right in the middle, right in the middle, average, common expected. If you're mean, that means there's some, some things that are better, but there's some things that are worse. You say, well, what's that have to do with, with, with us? Especially, you know, what's the meaning or the purpose of our life? Here it is. And it's going to hurt some of your feelings, but just hang with me. All right. Um, I, I think a lot of us are mean. And here's what I mean. We've settled into a mean way of life. We're not horrible people. All right. I'm not beating anybody up, but let's just be honest. We're not that great. Sometimes we're just kind of something in the middle. I mean, you're not a serial killer, as far as I know, all right? But let's look around the room. There's not a lot of Mother Teresa sitting on your row, right? We've just kind of settled. Most of us have just settled for average, for something in the middle, something normal, so something typical, right? But, but why is it? Let me ask you this question. Why is it if, if anyone, you or anybody else in your life, you see them take a step off of normal, just move off of kind of center a little bit, towards what Jesus said is, this is a better way to live your life. Why is it that when we see that, we can recognize that? 
And we immediately call people like that either heroes or fanatics. If people just take a kind of a step off of off the middle ground. You say, well, what are you talking about? Like this. Like the soldier who charges into danger when everybody else runs the other way. Why do we look at that and go, that's, that's, that's good. Or the fireman who, who walks into a burning building when none of the rest of us are willing to do that. Or the stooped over little lady who, who touches those that most in the world would consider untouchable. Or the civil rights worker who stands with and even takes a beating with the oppressed. So where are you going with this? I mean this. Words like courage and sacrifice, compassion and justice. Why do we recognize those things? And say that's a good thing. Especially because those words describe Jesus, right? They just do. And regardless of what you believe about Jesus, most of us would sit here and go, I want or I wish that I had words like that describe me. I want some of that in my life at some level. We just want that. And again, why is it when we see somebody else kind of running after that, a little step or a big step beyond what's normal or what most people do? Whether in real life, we see it on the news or, or whatever that is, or, or we even go to a movie theater, and we sit there and we see somebody do something, we say it's kind of heroic. We look at that and we take notice and we go, that's a good thing. That, that's a better, higher way. Why is it that we sit in movie theaters or read books or watch TV and stuff like that? And the question that's in the back of our mind when we see somebody do something is, would I do that? Would I, would I or could I ever do, if I was in the same circumstance, would I ever do something like that? Here's the question I think we're asking ourselves. Could I ever live a better life? Could, could I ever live a higher or could I ever experience what Jesus would call an abundant life? And if so, when? And if the answer is now, then where or how do I start? Well, how about Christmas? How would we start with Christmas? What if this year you, you don't have a mean Christmas, right? An average Christmas, like all the other ones. Uh, what if this year you experience Christmas on another level? And it took, a lady came to me and says, it took me the whole hour to realize that's what that stands for. Christmas on another level. What, what if this year you had Christmas on another level? And some of you are going, oh, <laughs> keep up, all right? Um, but more importantly, what if this Christmas was just the first step in kind of walking towards life on another level, right? Coal, that's what we're talking about. See, when I was a kid, my grandpa, we'd go down to my grandpa's farm every Christmas day. We'd get up, open presents, get in the car, drive to my grandpa's. And as soon as I walked in the door, he'd ask me if I'd been good. And I'd say yes, he says, because if you haven't been good, all you'll get in your stocking is a, a lump of coal, right? right? So I, to me, coal was a bad thing. You know, I don't want coal, all right? But, but what if coal could be a good thing? What if it could stand for something else? Like, again, Christmas on another level. Some of you are doing the math in your head and you're going, oh, no. Oh, you're going to mess with Christmas. All right? Are, are, are you saying, are you saying uh, that if we really love Jesus or love Jesus more, we would skip all of our Christmas traditions, you know, uh, no tree, no presents, no parties, no decorations, no lights, and everybody will be more like Mother Teresa and give all our stuff to the poor? Is that where you're going with that? Because even if I agree that that would be a good thing, most of us are sitting here going, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, me too. Me, I, me either, all right, all right? I'm just not, all right? But if that's not what it means, then what does it mean? What would it mean for you or I to have experience Christmas on another level? And how about this? Can I throw this out? What if this Christmas, you or you and your family, or just you if your family's not into this, what if you took one step this year? One step towards something that resembles what you know to be consistent with Jesus. Something that's not normal. Most people are not going to do this. Something that's out of the ordinary. So, something that unless you do it intentionally, 
It's just not going to happen by accident. Some, something that means you have to do something different. Something that's going to stretch you. It's not going to be easy necessarily. Something that took some planning, maybe a little effort, maybe giving up something or sacrificing something good for something better. What if this Christmas, before it's over, you look back over the, the month of December and say this, well, I don't know a lot about Jesus, but what I do know, based on what I do know, and what he's like and what he really cares about, I, I didn't let the celebration of him coming to earth go by without at least doing one thing that lines up with what I think Jesus would do if he was here physically. So, well, so what would he do? Well, I don't know. Let's ask him. All right? So that's what we're going to do the rest of this time. All right? We're going to ask Jesus this question. Jesus, if you came to show us a better way to live our lives, and the number one thing Jesus taught over and over was simply this, just follow me, watch me, and then, then follow me. Here's the question, Jesus. What kind of things did you do 2,000 years ago? And then what would it look like for me to follow you today? So let's figure that out. All right? Let's go back to the very first public recorded, recorded public talk that Jesus ever gave. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. All right? The, the four Gospels of Jesus or biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was written by a guy named Luke. Yeah. All right. So, all right, so, so Luke followed Jesus around and wrote all this down. All right? This is like the first talk. All right? This is before he recruited anybody to follow him or, at all. All right? And, and here's, let me kind of set this up. All right? It's before Jesus has preached anything. All right? He's 30 years old. He's been a carpenter all his life. He gets baptized in the river by his cousin, John the Baptist. He goes into the wilderness for like 40 days. All right? He comes back to his hometown. He grew up in a little town called Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in a town called Nazareth. And he hasn't been home in a while. So it's Saturday. He's a good Jewish kid. So he goes to synagogue. All right. He walks in the doors of the synagogue and I don't know why. It's like, hey, it's Jesus. He's back. And so the kind of the honor in that synagogue was the visitor got to read the scroll, the, the, the Bible verses. So, hey, Jesus, welcome home. Would you just you know, pick something out of the scroll and read it to us? And, and then that's, we'll, we'll go on with the service after that. So, so they hand Jesus a scroll and he, and he rolls through this and he knows exactly what he's looking for, by the way. He rolls through to the part of what in our Bible we call the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet that lived like 700 years before Jesus was even born. But probably the the prophecies that that, that Isaiah is most famous for is he wrote a lot about someday God is going to send his son to us. Someday God is going to send a Messiah, which is a Jewish term for the one who's going to connect us back. Meaning we screwed up our lives, we made mistakes, and sin separates people. But God is going to send a Messiah and he's going to connect us back Back, back to God, all right? So Isaiah wrote a lot of stuff about when he gets here, this is the kind of stuff he'll do. This is what to look for in a Messiah to know if he's real or not. So Jesus thumbs through the, through the scroll and finds these verses that are all about the Messiah. He reads this, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's what the Messiah is going to do. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, all right, so we're going to read about what Isaiah said to look for in a Messiah. If you're taking notes, here's what the Messiah is going to do when he gets here. He's going to give good news. He's going to give hope to poor people. He's going to be really focused on poor people. Not just physically poor people, but spiritually bankrupt people. Empty inside. The Messiah is going to set imprisoned people free from whatever has them locked up. The Messiah will give people the ability to see what they couldn't see before he got there. The Messiah will help people who are are being held down and oppressed. The Messiah is going to help them get back up. And the Messiah will, 
here it is. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, let me explain that. This is a reference to this huge Jewish holiday back in Jesus' day called the year of Jubilee. It was awesome. When I tell you about this holiday, you're going to switch to Judaism. It's that cool, all right? Meaning this, it was so big, they only had it every 50 years. And on this holiday, every debt that you owed got canceled. Yeah, all right? Maybe credit card debt, if they had that back then, I don't know, all right? Um, if, you, if you owed the bank some money, if you owed on your mortgage, if you had a school loan, if you owned your, owed your buddy money, whatever that is, on this year, it comes, it's like God sits, hits reset and everybody's debt goes away and everybody gets back to zero and you have a new start. That would be awesome, right? Not that you all have a lot of credit card debt, but I'm telling you, that was really nervous laughter. <laughs> all right, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'll put myself in there too, all right? So, so here's the thing is, Jesus said, Isaiah said, prophesied the Son of God would do these kind of things when he gets here. And then he said it. Um, it's me. It, it's me. Today your prophecy just came, came true. What Isaiah said, that, that's why I'm here. So pay attention. Watch, because I'm going to do what Isaiah said the Messiah is going to do. And if you keep reading the rest of this chapter, I encourage you to do that when, when you get home, all right? Is that Jesus went on to say... And this is what gets him in trouble. And I'm going to open it up to everybody. I mean, at this point, it's kind of that, that, that kind of being connected to God's kind of only open up to Jewish people or people that convert to Judaism. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to open this up to anybody who wants it. And you know what the response of the crowd was? Because that's called the gospel. That's called good news. The response of the crowd in that synagogue that day was they got mad. The Bible actually says they got furious. They grabbed Jesus and they, 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 they kicked him out of the synagogue. Then they hauled him up to a hill and they tried to throw him over a cliff. All right? This is a bad day in church. I'm telling you, right? And they're saying things like this to him. Like, well, who do you think you are, Jesus? Who do you think you are coming in here and trying to tell us how to live our lives? And, 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 and we've read that part of the Bible before. You know, our rabbis read that to us a lot. It's never, he never taught it like that. And here's the other thing. Don't mess with our favorite holiday, Jesus. I mean, you make it seem like this holiday, this religious holiday that we celebrate forgiveness and how much God loves us is really just like a, a symbol, a reminder for how we should treat people every day. And that's crazy. That, that's, just, that's just fanatical. And it makes us mad that you're sticking your nose in our holiday. So butt out of our holiday, Jesus. We're just going to keep on doing it like we've always done it. And they got mad at him. And here's the thing is, I'm going to throw out some stuff today and some of us in this room, it might make us mad. The idea that maybe we should approach Christmas differently. But, but however you feel about this, you cannot ignore the words of Jesus when he made it crystal clear. I want to tell you why I'm here. I want to tell you why I left heaven and came and was born in Bethlehem in the first place. Here's what I spent my life teaching. Here's what I spent my life doing. And by the way, this is why I died on the cross. Here's why Jesus came. He said, I came to feed people who are hungry. Both physically hungry and spiritually starving to be filled up with something that will finally satisfy. And we all know what that means. A lot of us, we, we, we run after this and run after this and run after that. And we got it. And then we got it. And you know what? We're still empty inside. So, so Jesus cares about, a lot about physically hungry people and spiritually hungry people. It was so important to Jesus that later in Matthew 25, if you want to read this later, Jesus said this. Whenever you see a, a physically hungry person and you have the ability to feed them or not, you know, or, or the opportunity to feed them, and you do... Or you don't. Jesus says it's like you did that to me. It's like you fed me or refused to feed me. I take it personally. He said, I I came to set people free. Jesus says, I'm here to set people free. People who've been locked up in prison and changed. Literal jails and prisons or locked up in addictions or consequences because they made some bad choices. 
He says, I want to tell you, I, I came to set them free. And people who are locked up are so important to me that whenever you go and visit somebody in jail, whenever you help somebody that's locked up in addiction or whatever that is, or if you refuse to, Jesus said, it's like you did it or didn't do it to me. Jesus said, hey, let me tell you why I came. I came to bring light to dark places. See, see there are people in, in, our, in our life, in our world, who, who are physically blind, but, but most blindness goes beyond physical, doesn't it? There's a lot of us that are blind to the truth, blind to reality. People who are living, living their lives with their eyes closed tight. I don't want to look at what's happening around me. I refuse to look at it. Jesus says, I, I came to kind of turn the lights on. I came to show people there is a better way. Jesus said, I want to make it clear why I'm here. I came because there are people in this world who are being bullied and abused and mistreated by injustice and just by bullies. People who need a hand up and nobody is sticking up for them. Jesus says, I came to stick up for them. I came to release oppressed people, to release them from whatever or whoever is holding them down. And if you'll do the same, it's like you're doing it for me. But if you choose to act like that's not my problem, or I'm going to pretend like I don't know what's going on over there, Or am I going to tell myself that it's not that bad? Or how about this one? It's really their own fault. They kind of ask for it and then refuse to help them. Jesus says, please, no. I take that personally. It's like you're refusing to help me. And finally, he says this. I came to announce that God loves you. In spite of what you heard about God, he does love you. And because of that love, everything that you've ever done, every mistake or sin that you've ever committed, everything is forgivable. And Jesus says, I'm not going to wait 50 years. I'll pay for everything today. I'll give you a new, new life today. That's called good news. It's the message Jesus came to teach. And then he looks at us and says, and if you understand that, then partner with me. We talked about that last week. Get that information out to people who don't even know it's possible. That's why he came. So so let's get back to Christmas on another level. If Christmas is the time when we celebrate that Jesus came to earth, and if Jesus came for the reasons he claimed to have come for, the question is, what would your, what would my Christmas look like if you took just one step closer to lining up your Christmas with the reasons Jesus came? What would it look like? In other words, how would you take an average Christmas? I mean, your Christmas, it's better than some people's. It's not as great as others. But what if you took that type of Christmas and took it to another level? You have 27 days, all right? What what would it look like if, if on December 26th, you could look back and not just think that we had a successful Christmas or a good Christmas, but this year you had a significant one, an abundant one, And how would you know if you did or not? How do you measure that? How do you decide if it was a significant Christmas? Uh, Here's here's some ideas. How about everybody got what they wanted? Everything fit? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That, That's that's a good Christmas. This this might be a bigger one, all right? There were less family fights this year on Christmas, all right? So I'm like, that's what we need, all right? And that's a good thing, and I hope you have that. Merry Christmas, all right? But, But maybe it could be this. This year, I, or better yet, my whole family, we took one step towards something really important. And we actually did something this Christmas that we think Jesus would do if he was physically here. So that's the goal of this, this month. Here, here's what we are going to do. Last week, we talked about God working on us in the past and how we hope that he's going to use us in the future, both individually and as a church to do greater things in the world. All right? But we were also honest about this, if you were here. The, the bigger this church gets, and apparently it's going to, all right? The, the greater the temptation to start measuring success by the wrong things. See, a lot of people would say that church is successful because they have a big building or they have a lot of people attending. But honestly, and, and we, a lot of us have gone to churches like this, it's possible to have a big building that's packed with people and totally miss following Jesus. It's very possible, right? 
But, but Jesus measured success differently. Jesus measured success by something called a changed life. Is your life changing? One time Jesus put it this way. Look at this. This is Jesus talking again. He said this. By this and this, by the way, if you're taking notes, this is what Jesus kind of looks at. This is what Jesus measures and kind of keeps track of. By this, all men, all people will know that you're my followers. And by the way, they're watching. People are watching you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, my followers. If you what? If you love one another. That's how you know. In other words, according to Jesus, here's how you can measure if you or any person or any church is really a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Not just a believer in in God. A lot of us believe in God. Not just a student. We study the teachings of Jesus. Not just a singer of songs about Jesus. But an actual, I get up every day and I try to follow Jesus. Jesus says, this is how you can measure that. Just ask yourself this. What did I do today that loved people in the same way I saw Jesus loving people. That's what it means to be a follower. And how do you measure if you're doing that? How do you know if you're growing in that? How do you know that if you're, if you're better than that than, I don't know, a year ago? See, here's the thing. It's in about six weeks. It's New Year's, all right? And, and a lot of us are going to set New Year's revo- resolutions. And you're going to make a list of ten things. And somewhere in that list, I almost promise, everybody's going to write down, this year, I want to get closer to God. What's that mean? I mean, it's very noble. Please, I want to try too, all right? But how do you know if you did? So you write that down in January. Next December, how do you know if you got closer, closer to God? Well, I don't know. Jesus throws out some different things. Well, we throw out things all the, all the time. If you really want to follow Jesus, one of the things Jesus did is he served a lot. So we are always throwing out opportunities to serve, like volunteering around here. That's an easy one. Like, like in, in, in three weeks from now, it's our Christmas weekend service. We have thousands of extra people come here. We need hundreds of you to sign up today in our parking lot. All right? Out there, there's a white Christmas tree. Just say, I'll, I'll do one hour this year. I'll, I'll help people park cars. It's a lot of fun if you don't die. So there's that, all right? And then we have thousands of extra kids come. We need a whole bunch of you to say, I don't ever do this, but one, one weekend this year on Christmas, the weekend before Christmas, I will go over there and I'll, I'll help there. So, so volunteering, that, that's, that's awesome, okay? Um, Jesus said this. This is how I know that I have your heart. If you're pointing your money towards me. Jesus said your money and your heart are always in the same place. And that's why we always say there's buckets in the back. And if you believe in this place and trust what God's doing in this place here and, and in Afghanistan or whatever, put some money in there. But we also say this, if you don't trust this place, you got burned by religion or whatever, just find some place that you think God is doing something in the world that you trust and give your money there. Just don't be a selfish person. So those are just easy markers that, 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 that we threw out all the time, all right? But that, that's not what I want to talk about today. Now, I need you to sign up. All right, so just do that, all right? But that's really not the biggest point today. Here's what I want to do something different. I want to take it to another level. Starting today, here's what we're going to do. Um, when you came in, maybe you saw there's a big plastic box out there in the lobby. Last January, we had this idea that, hey, let's all put $1 in a plastic box and see what 10,000 people can do, all right? And we remodeled homes, and we bought a car for a, a girl's home, and, and we, we took care of a lot of people. We had a funeral for this little baby. I mean, we, just, we did a lot of things in, in the name of Jesus, okay? But, but this time, I don't want you to put money in that box. Some people already did, and you can't have it back. Just so you know, all right? <laughs> you just walked in like, I don't know, let's put money, it's probably good, all right? So, so my family thanks you. So there's that, uh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, all right. <laughs> I am kidding on that, all right, all right. We're going to do something different this year. So there's a big box out there. When you leave here today, there's a box out there. And there's some tables all around that box with some cards on them. And here's your assignment. Figure it out. You can do this. Figure it out. Well, what do you mean? I mean this. Ask yourself, 
What do I know or what do we know about Jesus? We don't know a lot. We've only come here twice, but we know a little bit about Jesus. So what do you know about Jesus? And then anytime this month that you or your family or you and your girlfriend or whatever that looks like, you and your friends, anytime that, that you take an intentional step to do something to line your Christmas up with what you believe Jesus would do or want you to do, I want you to come back in here then the next week, write it on a card and put it in that box. That's, that's it. Now, don't put your name on it, all right? Don't say, our family is so spiritual. Look what we did, all right? That, that's great. But just, just write what you did. What, what do you mean? Like, like this. Like our family bought dinner or bought presents for a family at my kid's school. We found out that they lost their job. We don't have a lot of money, but at least we have a job. So we made sure that Christmas they have at least something to eat or, or something to open. And we didn't, we didn't let them know who it was. We just kind of did it through the front office. Or how about this? We, we went down to Children's Hospital for a follow-up visit, and we looked into the waiting room, and there was a family that reminded us of us when we were there. And they're from out of state, but they're here because their kid's really, really sick. They have no family, no friends. They're going to be there all by themselves. We got them. We're, we're going to take care of them this Christmas. How, something like this. Uh, I, I signed up, or my whole family signed up, to serve at a shelter down in Denver, like, like Open Door Ministries. And all that's easy. This one, this idea kind of just makes my stomach cramp up. Um, we took cookies over to my neighbor that we've lived beside, beside for five years, and I still don't know her name. That just makes me nervous. I'll go to Afghanistan. I just don't want to go next door, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. How about this one? Um, we went out to dinner and way over-tipped our waitress. Because we found out. There's a waiter right there, right? Um, <laughs> We found out because we had a conversation, not a critical conversation about the service, but we actually had a conversation and found out a little bit about their life. This is the third job that they, they work, trying to feed their kid. We tipped more than the meal cost. I shoveled somebody's sidewalk in our neighborhood, and they have no idea who it was. If you're brand new to the whole following Jesus, it may be something like this. I went to the mall, and somebody cut me off, and I didn't beat him up. <laughs> That's a step, you know. I'm trying to follow Jesus, you know, and... Jesus is going to deal with them someday, but I'm not, you know. And uh, bottom line, why, why, would you, why would you do that different? And the answer is because I want to do Christmas different this year. I want to do Christmas on another level. That's assignment for a month. Now, again, here are the rules. There's three rules. I already touched on one. No names. Do not put your name on this, all right? Um, not this big secret, but if you need somebody else to know what you've done, then you're probably missing the point. If you're out there trying to help somebody or, or buy presents for somebody or feed somebody or whatever that is, all right, and they ask you, now, why are you doing this? It's up to you if you tell them or not. You can blame it on your church. My church made us do this, all right? That's fine. I can live with that. Or you could, you know, if you want to get real spiritual and you say, I'm trying to follow Jesus and I think Jesus loves you and he wants you to have this. If you want to do that, or you can just go, I don't know, here, there, all right? It's all good. Don't, that's whatever you're comfortable with, all right? Jesus knows. The second rule is this. It has to be a faith in action, not just faith. Now, let me explain what I mean by that, because it sounds pretty horrible, all right? In other words, don't come in here next week and write down on our card, this week, our family prayed for the hungry people of the world every day. That's great, and you should do that, all right? But I'm going to be really honest with you, and this is going to sound horrible. Prayer doesn't feed people, all right? So let's pray about it. Dear God, do you want us to feed people? Amen. Yes, get off your knees and go to the grocery store, buy some food and take it to a family who is hungry. All right. This is a test. We're going to find out if we're one of those churches that just talks about faith or sings about faith, or if we actually get up out of rooms like this and actually follow Jesus. That's the kind of church we want to be. The third rule goes like this. You have to have already done it or be doing it right now. 
This is not going to be a box of good intentions. You know, all right? Please don't write down on your card, someday. You're already going, that's what I was going to write. Someday, when I get back on my feet. Or how about this? Someday, I can't even do this with a straight face. When I have some extra time and money. Anybody have that? I have so much money. I don't know what to do, all right? Um, No, 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 no. Someday. Things turn around. Then I'm going to do something nice for someone. Then I'm going to feed somebody. Then I'm going to, do, then I'm going to help somebody. Eh, no, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, that's great, but this is about Christmas on another level. This is about a Christmas that is actually making a difference in somebody's life. And let's be honest, lots of things have nothing to do with money, right? Like, like visiting somebody that's in prison. And maybe it's that's the jail, but maybe it's, maybe it's a 90-year-old woman who's locked in a nursing home. She's locked in loneliness. It hasn't been visited since last Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's reading, opening the eyes of the blind. Maybe that is reading to somebody who doesn't know how to read. Or maybe their eyes have failed and they can't read. But they would love for somebody just to sit by their bedside and read. Maybe, right? How about this? Let me just talk to the younger half of the room. How about this? There's probably someone in your life, a single mom or a young couple that's just starting out and they don't have any money. Why don't you babysit for free? They haven't had a break in a long time because they can't afford a babysitter. You could say, listen, you take the night off. This is no charge. This is my Christmas gift to you. You just go drive your car around the block a hundred times. Just get out of the house. I got it. Him. <laughs> it. <laughs> all right. There you go. All right. You could do that. And then here's the plan. All right. After every service, and it's already happened three times, I'm going to have somebody go through that box. And then we have these... Computers upstairs, people are posting these online right now of what Christmas on another level looks like. So if you're already doing something, when you leave here, put that in the box. And here's the thing is, get online, and we'll see if we really have faith or not. Or if we just talk about it. And what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. Maybe as you're reading through that list this afternoon, you're, you're sitting here right now going, I don't, how do you follow Jesus? I don't even know what that looks like. You'll see what some other people are doing, and I've already read through some of the list. You kind of come to the conclusion like, Oh, is that what it looks like? Because even I, I could do that. This came in on Facebook last night. It says this. Um, somebody came to service last night. It says, um, be ready for lots of coal this year. So glad I went to church early this weekend. Needed it pretty bad today. My daughter sat beside me tonight. And when we got ready to leave, she said, Mommy, let's follow Jesus. All the way home, she kept asking if we were following Jesus. I guess he was in the car in front of him. I'm not sure, all right? I tried to explain to her what that means. What that means. I, I told her if she had a friend, this is a good mom, with no coat, she, could, she should give the friend one of hers. Now she wants to go trade coats with her friend. She's such an amazing blessing. You can do this. You, you can figure this out. Now, that's, that was the end of my talk, <laughs> okay? But I'm not done. I got some more, all right? And here's why. I'm finishing up this talk, and Ron Barnes... Our missions pastor came in my office on Monday and he said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Before he could, I said, hey, I want to run an idea by you. I'm going to put the box out there in the lobby and then I'm going to encourage you know, individuals or families to sit down and figure something out, how they can do something significant this Christmas. And Ron said two things that I just think are awesome. The first one, it didn't feel awesome, but it is. He said this. He said, you know, if, if a person or a family sits down at their table by themselves or with their family and they can't think of one thing to do in the next 27 days, there's anything like Jesus that would actually help some, somebody else, that's a problem. We, we can't think of one thing that we could do or that we're willing to do 
that's anything like Jesus. That, that, that really reveals a big problem. So that was awesome. It wasn't a lot of fun, but it was awesome. The other thing he said was this. He said, man, what a great opportunity for me as a dad to lead my family well. And I agree. If you're today and you're a parent or a grandparent or whatever that is, I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus is lobbing you a softball, and you can swing for the fences on this one. I mean, this is setting you up for a win, mom or dad, to, to lead your family well. We always talk about spiritually leading our families, and we're like, I don't know how to do this. You can do this. If, if you only have custody of your kids like one weekend this month or whatever, how about this? You go pick them up from their mom's house, their dad's house, or whatever that is, and before you, before you go home and get into your whole Christmas, how about you look at your kid and you go, I got an idea. Going to try to follow Jesus this year. We're going to Walmart or whatever. We're buying a blanket. We're taking it to a shelter, and then we'll go have our Christmas. And even if your kid looks at you and goes, I don't want to do that, do it anyway. And here's the thing is, even if they roll their eyes, I promise they will look back and say there's this one time that our family did something really cool. You, you can do this. Now, now over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to present different opportunities that you can make a difference this Christmas. Like, like we, we hired over the spring and summer, we hired like 40 or 50 widows in Afghanistan. Their husbands were killed by Taliban, all right? And so we hired them and all spring and summer they've been knitting all right, we do Christmas ornaments every year from them, but, but they've been knitting socks and hats and gloves, and they'll be out there ne- ne- next week. But here's the thing is, all right, don't wait for flat irons to tell you what to do. Don't, don't say, well, Jim told us we had to do this. No, 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 no. You, you can do this. You don't need us. I'll give you an example. Over the last several years, we've done this thing around here called Outrageous Love, where we nominate people in our community that are in need, and then other people in our church adopt that family and make sure that they have a Christmas. It's awesome. And over the last, like last year, I think like almost 300 families were sponsored, and that, that's awesome. It's really good. But we're not going to do it this year. Well, let me say it this way. We're not going to do it for you, or for you, or instead of you. See, you, you can do this. You can figure this out. If you will look around your world... You, you will see what God wants you to do. You know, go back to what Jesus said. He said he came, he came to open the eyes of the blind. And I always thought that was about other people. But what if the eyes that are blind are ours? And what if what Jesus has been wanting us to do is right in front of us? We've just been missing it. Now, remember, a, a few, every time we talk about the building over there, all right, we always talk about uh, an Easter when we walk in there, the goal is 100% participation. That nobody walks into that building saying, look what they did or look what that church did. But everybody walks in there, whether they gave a dollar or a lot of dollars, whatever it is, we're all, all able to walk in there and go, look what we, we did. Everybody participates. And it's the same with this. The goal is 100% participation. If you're just visiting today, sorry, you have to do this. You came on the wrong week, all right? When I was a kid, we called this an all-skate. Remember that? Skating rink? All right, uh, everybody in. All right, everybody in. Well, how do you measure if we are all in or not? I, the only way I can come up with that goes like this. So as we're building that building, before we even put a shovel in the ground over there, we had to work with the city of Lafayette a lot. And there's these wonderful things called building codes. They're awesome, all right? And so there is this building code in the city of Lafayette that requires one parking spot for every three seats in this room. Did you know that? All right? So for every three people that sit in this room, we have to have one parking space. The city assumes that when we hold an event, there will be an average of around three people per car. Now, if that's the case, last weekend, we had right at 10,000 people here. So if every person or every family here participates, that should be about 3,500 cards, which means this. Last year, we helped about two or 300 families. But this month, at least 3,500 people or families in our community will have something happen in their lives because everybody here said, I'll follow him. If it's just one step, I'll, I'll take one step. Because of Jesus, I'll do that. 
And that's just what's here. I got my mind blown last week. We went online and figured out how many people are downloading the podcast. 7,000 a week are listening to this that don't even go to church here. This just blows my mind. And that takes a number up. But we won't even count those people. But if you're listening online, help your community. Email our website and tell us what you're doing. Now, why should we do this? Why should we get up out of this room and go follow Jesus? The next two songs, I think, will kind of explain that. Meaning this. We're going to sing two songs, two different songs. The first one you probably never heard before, the second one you have. But they both have the same theme, the same message. And here it is. God is really faithful to us. You would really be hard-pressed to build a case against that. Meaning, meaning this. I'm not saying that God made your life easy. I'm not saying God took your problems away. I'm not God saying God fixed your marriage. I'm not saying God took your cancer away. I'm not saying any of that. He never promised that. What he promised was, no matter what happens in your life, you don't have to go through it by yourself. You're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. You are. You can go through it by yourself. Or you can go through it with Jesus. I hope you never do, but there's a chance that you're going to have to go to children's hospital someday. There's a chance you might have to go to court. You didn't get a vote on that. You do get to choose if you go by yourself or with Jesus. And he is faithful. Let's be honest. A lot of us in this room, if we were really honest, the only reason we're still alive today is because Jesus has gotten us here. Right? So what, what are you saying? So we go out here and try to pay Jesus back for being faithful to us? No, nope, you can't. We go out of this room. See, this is the easy part of being a Christian, coming in rooms like this, right? The hard part is getting up and actually following him. Not to pay him back, but because following him is actually proof that we, that we trust him. Following him is just one way of saying, thank you. Thank you, God, for being faithful to me. So we're going to sing these songs. Uh, this first song, awesome. Uh, 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 Randy and Ashley are going to teach it to us. And whenever it becomes your song, you stand up and you sing with us, all right? Um, But uh, our prayer is, God has been faithful to us. Our question is, will we be? Let's pray. God, I love you so much. You're so easy to love. I mean, uh, I don't understand you sometimes. And sometimes you frustrate me, God. But honestly, looking back over my life, the reason I'm here today is because of you. You're faithful when I'm not faithful. You're strong when I'm weak. You hold me up when my knees buckle. I think I speak for a couple thousand people here right now. You've been so good to us, so faithful to us. And that's why we worship you. Lord, we don't want to go through the valley. And we don't want to go through the desert. We don't want to go through the hard times. But you you told us that we would. Because of your faithfulness, we don't have to go by ourselves. We don't have to go carrying guilt and condemnation for our past. We can actually go with you, with your arms around us. Because again, you're faithful. Because of that, God, we worship you. And the way we worship you is we get up out of this room and go love people that you love. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.